guys, and welcome to the Nouveau Richard Podcast. The hardcore code. Thanks, uh, thanks for taking the time, man. Appreciate you. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Uh, dude, I'm, uh, I'm excited to hang out with you for the next period of time. Appreciate you, bro. It's, it's, it's awesome, man. Give me a, give me a little uh, introduction, man, for the, for the people out there. Well, you know, uh, I'm a business person, and uh, I started out as a salesperson. I've been in sales most of my life, and, and I run sales and service place companies here in Dallas, Texas. Um, but, you know, I, I am uh, your odd rags to riches story. I grew up, I was adopted at age seven. Mm. Uh, I dropped out of school in the eighth grade. I, I ran the streets and, and sold drugs and things of that nature in, in my teens and ended up uh, being incarcerated twice uh, for long periods of time. And, uh, but, you know, I've always been a hard worker. And where I came from, the first business opportunity was it to get on a podcast and, and create an online business. It was, it was drugs, you know, but I, I ultimately learned my lesson and made it out of that neighborhood and out of that industry. And I worked my butt off in a car wash, man. It's a crazy story. Like I was, I was working at this car wash and I had made up in my mind that I was going to be like the world's best car wash person. Right. And, uh, and so I was acting accordingly. And one of the clients that like come in there to wash their car, say clients, one of the car wash customers, um, hit me up one day and was like, dude, I want to give you a job. And I didn't think that I was worthy of the job that they were offering me, but you know, they offered me, you know, it seemed like a really good opportunity, which turned out to be, and I went to work as a, a, a banker and they trained me on some of the banking regulations and how to loan money to individuals and businesses. And within about 45 days, I'd made about $20,000, which may or may not seem like a lot of money to some people. But for me at that time, going from washing cars for $9 an hour to making, you know, $10,000 a month, dude, I might as well have been Bill Gates, you know? Sure, yeah. and, uh, but it was at that point that, you know, A, I've had some ups and downs since then, but it was at that point in my life that I had accomplished something. And I'm the type of person, like, I know if I can do something once, I'm positive that I can do it again. Like, I've given away my entire life's fortune five times, and, and I'm living better now than I've ever lived before. And, and because I know that if I can make one sale one time, I can make it a thousand times. If I can make one contact work this way, then I can do it a thousand ways. So, you know, I'm just a big believer in me. So that, that first 45 days where I tasted some success, man, that was like the, the addiction that I've caught now. And I'm 40 years old, you know, That's it, man. I love that. Why do you think it like worked for you for, for so many people it doesn't work out? Why did, why did it did for you? Um, I, I refused it to quit, you know, um, I, I, that's the only thing there's the, well, I can tell you what, what's worked for me is a, I, I, number one, I refuse to quit. So in 2008, I walked out of uh, federal prison. So I went to prison for a crime that I didn't even commit and I had to go do 15 months, man. And I walked into prison, a millionaire. I walked out with $25 to my name. That's it. Divorced, homeless, like rock bottom. But I walked in a millionaire and I knew that it was possible for me to do that again. Now this was in 2008 when the economy was at an all time low. Right. And, and here's what happens is when things go bad, there's two types of people. Person number one uses things going bad as a reason for them to fail. Person number two makes the adaption and pushes forward regardless of what's going on around them. Right. Most people fall into category number one, but see, when I got out of prison with $25, my name was hungry. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been living off prison food for 15 months. I was pretty hungry. Sure. And 
So I go in back into the mortgage business and people were leaving the mortgage business dozens at a time. But I went back in there because I saw a different opportunity. I'm like, dude, if everybody's leaving, then this is an opportunity for me to gather more market share. I have less competition. If everybody is leaving this business, why in the world wouldn't I go charge forward into it? And so I just looked at it with a different perspective and I crushed it in, in down times because of that. And so I, I look at like everybody else was quitting. And again, I made the, the pivot to be able to be even more successful when everybody else couldn't find success at all. And the reason why is because I, I refused to quit. I just made the evaluation. I didn't say, oh, dude, the, you know, we're all failing as mortgage people. I said, dude, I got to find a way out of this. this. I'm not going back to washing cars. I know that. <laughs> Okay, that's that's something. Like, how, where do you find that mindset? Like coming coming from that, how do how do you maintain that? Well, you know, a lot of people ask me about that, and uh, you know, I've actually thought about it a lot over the years. But mm. I grew up in a a really rough upbringing. You know, the the my stepfather, the my adopted father, whatever man, he wasn't cool at all. You know, he was very aggressive and, and very abusive, and so. You know, in my life, if he told me to do something, whether I thought it was impossible or not, if I didn't get it done, I could suffer a severe ass whipping. Like, and I'm not talking about like a, you get a belt from your dad, like most kids. I'm talking about like a, a serious assault, right? Let's just don't sugarcoat, right? And so because of that, I learned not to say no. You know what I mean? But, but like, I learned that if he asked for something, dude, there wasn't a, no, I'm not going to do it. Like I see kids tell their parents that and some like, dude, shit, you say no to your folks. Dude, my, my folks would kill me, like legitimately kill me. And so because of that, it's just kind of stuck with me my whole life. But, but I look at it this way. I help people with their minds. That's the main thing that I do for a living. People know me as this business guy, but before we can get you to making more money, we got to get your, your mind right in the first place. That's just, that's just how it has to work. It's how it had to work for me. It's how it has to work for everybody. And one of the things that like, for example, I'll give you an example of how, how I help people. Um, a lot of folks, they say they want to make a million dollars. Like I want to make a million. I want to be a millionaire. And first of all, it's a very vague term, right? And we don't, we don't get what we don't focus on, right? We only get what we focus on as human beings. So first of all, you have to say something to the tune of, I want to make $1 million in 12 months, okay? So that's a million dollars in a year. However, to most of us, the roadblock there is a million dollars is a lot of money. You know, like for me and my family at the time, nobody made a million dollars before. Like not, not me and, and not my family and not my grandparents. Like nobody in my family had that kind of money. So who the hell am I to declare that I could do this in 12 months? Right. But I, I look at things a little differently, okay? So like the big problem and the big roadblock is a million dollars is a lot of money, okay? That's $80,000 a month. That's, that's a lot to keep up with. And uh, even $80,000 sounds like a lot of money. You break it down, that's $20,000 a week. Dude, that sounds like a lot of money. But when you take it to $3,000 a day, $3,000 isn't that much money. No matter how poor or how rich you are, we, with the right thing, we can all get our hands on $3,000 somehow. So I looked at it as $3,000 a day. And I didn't set the goal as like, wow, that seems like I didn't think about how many days I needed or nothing. I just said, I wake up today and I'm not going to sleep until I got $3,000, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, I'm not perfect. Not every day do I, did I get $3,000. But I would make up for it knowing that, hey, man, I only got 1,000 yesterday, so I got to get five today, right? And so I stayed diligent. And for years, like I would come up and I would make six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars, but I could never crack a million, right? There was this big roadblock. 
Well, the ramp that I made over it with this little 3,000 daily charge, dude, the first year that I started focusing on three grand a day, I ended up taking home 1.8 million. Nice. Right? And so, but I, I didn't have to go and drill in to figure out why that million dollars was so big or what was programmed into my subconscious. It was like, okay, well, let's just break this down to a stupidly simple goal that we can totally comprehend and understand and then go crush that. Mm -hmm. and, and that works everywhere. No, not 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 just in your money, but that works in, in your relationships the same way. It's not, you know, how can I stay married for 20 years? It's like, what do I got to do today to make sure you don't leave? Right. You know? right, right, right. Do you think it's like necessary to, to go through that tough upbringing to, to be where you are today or is it just relative? Is it no, because I mean, I, I got three sons. And so I, I imagine they'll be way farther ahead than I was, you know, I, like I said, I've, have, I've involuntarily given away my life savings three times or five times. And so uh, twice going to prison and, and three times in divorce, man. And, you know, uh, I wouldn't wish that on anybody, to be honest with you. I wouldn't, wouldn't even wish that on my biggest enemies. I don't know that I have any enemies, but whatever, right? I just like, I, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. Um, and that's really held me back a lot. I figure I could be, I mean, imagine if I wouldn't have had to give away the million and a half dollars back in 2006 before I went to prison. You know what I mean? I could have multiplied that. I might be worth 150 million so far. You know, I, I could have kept growing that business the, this whole time as opposed to going to prison for two years and losing the entire business. It, it would still be a relevant business that, that I would be working on today had that not happened. But I realized, Quinn, that it happened because this like real estate banking wasn't my calling. I made a lot of money at it and I was good at it and I thoroughly enjoyed it. But I'm called to do what I do now. I'm called to teach people how to, how to think better so that they can have more. And it's not, I know rich people always say shit like, you know, oh, it's not about the money. But dude, once you get the mind right, like the money changes things. Like, so, and let me prove that to you. Like, I legitimately would not trade places with anybody. Not The Rock, who has more money than I do, and who looks better, by the way, <laughs> and more famous, right? I still wouldn't trade places with him. I wouldn't trade places with Jeff Bezos. I wouldn't trade places with Bill Gates. I wouldn't trade, not for their money. I don't want their responsibility in their life. I live the perfect life for me. I have a family that I absolutely adore and they absolutely adore me. I have the, the lifestyle that I enjoy. I live in my dream home. I drive the cars that, that I want to drive and I'm able to buy whatever the hell I want when I want to buy it. But I don't really, you, you find out when you get money and you can do things, if you're not like, insecure and you got the right mindset, you realize you don't need a whole lot. I'm not sitting here in front of you with like a three piece, $10,000 suit on. I'm sitting here in front of you with a company t-shirt that, you know, is a tax write off for me that I paid seven bucks for in a company. Hat, you know what I mean? Right? Like uh, my office is nice where I'm at and everything, but you know, this is, my house, you know, so that's, that's what it takes, I believe, you know, but I also, I also believe that if I wouldn't have had to spend time in prison and being homeless and being heartbroken and all that, I probably wouldn't appreciate what I have now as much as I do either though. Mm, for sure. Yeah, man. What's the first step to getting to, to think on your level? Like the, the, the mindset thing we just talked about. What's, what's, what's the step I can take right now to, to get closer to, to that mindset? Well, you know, as much as people say, say the opposite of this, I think the first thing is you got to get some fuel. Mm -hmm. And when I say fuel, I mean, there's got to be something that pushes you to want to get past average. Okay. So let me explain a concept to you called the force of average. And, and maybe you've heard it because you've been following me for a while. If not, that's cool. 
but I, I want to teach your audience this. So I have a, a friend named Howard who runs a big successful hedge fund here in Dallas, Texas. Great guy. And it, his, his hedge fund is, it trades on artificial intelligence. So there's no sales staff. There's no traders with computers. It's all artificial intelligence bots and they manage billions of dollars, right? And so I say this because in order for them, they can't go offline because they could lose billions of dollars, right? They have to be online, connected to the internet at all times, flawless connection. And so inside their office is Google's server. And so when I say Google servers, like Google has these server storage places all over the world. And they're just different one-off commercial buildings. And my friend Matt, I'm sorry, my friend uh, Howard, he, his office is next to those servers. So their system plugs directly into them. Matter of fact, he's bought several of them and Google rents them back from him. Mm -hmm. Okay, so he has this like unstoppable internet. But anytime you've seen the, the videos of Google and people walk down the server rooms, they're like black with flashing lights, right? Mm -hmm. That's exactly what his stuff looks like. So one day I'm in there. And I'm looking at this big server that looks like a filing cabinet. And I noticed that all the blue lights were lit up. And I said, man, what's up with the blue light? And he said, uh, the blue light means that it's working. The artificial intelligence is alive and, and working. And, uh, and I went, okay, that's cool. And then I thought about it for a minute. And I was like, man, that blue light's kind of like our planet. You know, planet Earth is blue. And, and if you look around, like outer space is black, kind of like those servers, right? So mm. let me get weird on you for a minute. Like take your religious hat off for a second. But, but like, I love it. But let me get weird on you for a minute. So, right. So who's to say that we're not just artificial intelligence that's on some other server, right? Mm. In, in, or, in, now, in some form or another, we are obviously that, right? We don't know to what level or extent, but it's something created us that's not us, right? And so, so in this case, what created his servers was what I call the divine coder, right? Somebody went in and wrote code for them to trade these stocks on. Well, in order to do that, in order to code something, me owning a software company, I understand that there has to be an algorithm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So just like social media has algorithms in order for a artificial intelligence to operate, make decisions, there has to be an algorithm. And an algorithm is if this happens, this is the result. If this happens, this is the result. If this happens, this is the result, right? And so we always see the marketers talking about hacking the algorithm for growth. Like I growth hacked the algorithm, you know, I went viral and things like that, right? And so, but, but what I realized was that this planet Earth has an algorithm too, okay? And so the algorithm that is on Google is called like, I think Panda now, it might be Penguin, right? They change it up a lot, right? Uh, it was called EdgeRank on Newsfeed. Uh, on, on Facebook, Ed Drake for the newsfeed on Facebook, mm -hmm. that the algorithm that this planet operates on, I call the force of average. Okay. So we're created, we're intelligent beings created here in this simulation. Okay. And, uh, and again, just take your religious hat off and fill me out. people. <laughs> I love it. What, what happens is in order for the force of average to, to, to operate, it has one weapon and one weapon only. Okay. So it's trying to keep you average. And for example, if you fall below average, right? So if you have a disability, the government will pay you money. They will subsidize your housing. Mm -hmm. uh, you get upfront parking spaces, right? So like if, if you're under average, the force of average pulls you up to try to help you out, right? Society offers things to try to help you out. If you're homeless, you can get free food, free shelter, right? Like the, the further you fall below average, the, the, the more the force of average is trying to pull you up by offering you things to make it easy to stay average or below, right? Mm. However, the complete opposite happens 
when you take off and you beat average, right? So let's say the average income in America is $50,000 a year. If you start making $100,000 a year, we've heard story after story where people say, well, you know, I made it and then I lost it. And then I just had to like, go get me a regular job. Right. And that's because they fell victim to the force of average. Okay. And so it's like, uh, in, in Texas, you know, we're a big football state. And if you were a foreign exchange student and you came to school over here and you got consistent A's because you're trying to go to Harvard or whatever, and the jocks in the class got, you know, C's and D's, and then you've mm. screwed up the grading curve where they can't play football this season, they're going to hurt you. You know, it's like the society's going to come against you. And that's what it's like to be great against the force of average. It's going to do everything it can to stop you. And so what I created was the G code, which is the way to beat this force of average. But here's, here's the bigger part that you guys got to understand. The force of average, this algorithm on this planet, that's designed to keep everybody average. It has one power, one trick, one weapon, whatever you want to call it, that's it. And that's distraction. Okay, because here's, here's what I know. Humans have one superpower, and that's focus. So if the force of average, if you're doing something great, for example, you're building a huge business, the force of average comes in, and the distraction is now you're getting a divorce, right? If you're, if, if you're in perfect shape, the force of average comes in and now you're unemployed, mm. right? If you are making a whole bunch of money, the force of average comes in and now you've got some sort of health issue, right? Mm. Like there's a, that's the distraction, okay? And so the force of average is trying to distract you as much as possible. It's throwing out 4,200 advertisements a day. It's throwing out 23,000 mental decisions that we got to make a day. It's trying to do anything but let you, the human being, do what you do best, which is focus. And matter of fact, it's convinced us that we have ADD, that we have short attention spans. We're plugged into sites like TikTok, Snapchat, and Instagram, where they're trying to get us to only be able to pay attention for 15 seconds at a time. We're watching all the force of average tricks against our focus because what happens is when a person becomes focused, we change things, right? Like when Elon Musk, he got focused, he interrupted the banking system. The banking system is a centuries-old, globally-dominated system, and he interrupted it with PayPal, right? We look at Jeff Bezos. He interrupted the retail industry. The retail industry has been around since the dawn of time. Even Jesus talked about going in the gallery and buying things out in front of the temple, right? So since the dawn of time, and Jeff Bezos brought it online, dominated it, and was the fastest company to ever do. It's a total disruption, Right? Like when we see these things happen, we, we, we know a, first of all, we know what's possible, but these folks have beat the force of average on a huge scale. So we know it's possible to beat this force of average, right? We, we, we know that it's possible because we see people doing it, right? But they like Jeff Bezos, richest man in the world. What happened to him? Wife took 70 billion bucks from him, didn't she? she did. Steve Jobs, richest man on the planet. He died of cancer all alone. You know, and, and, and it's because the force of average, that's its trick, man. That's its trick. It's trying to do this. But when we get focused, right, Steve Jobs changed the way that the computers work. He was focused and in the zone. When we get focused, we redraw maps, right? When we get focused, we go to the moon. When we get focused, we go explore space. We expand territories. We create peace, right? And so the force of average, in order to keep everybody average, if we're all focused, we'll all be above average. So it has no choice but to try to distract us. People fall victim to it every day. We see it constantly, you know? And so here's what I'm trying to tell you folks. is right. There's something out there 
that's trying to distract you. And it's not Adderall or Ritalin or any of that stuff that's going to be able to help you focus. It's all in here. You have to get clear on what it is that you need to focus on. And that's the G code, right? There's four areas to your life that you have to focus on on a daily basis, right? First of all, you have to focus on being grateful. And when I say being grateful, you, if you're not grateful for what you have right now, what you got coming won't matter. If you're not happy with $100 right now, you're not going to be happy with $100 million. You have to be grateful for what you have right now while still in pursuit of what, what's next. That's the real balance. Number two is you got to take care of your genetics, right? It is uh, October 29th, 2019. On September 13th, 2019, I broke my neck and my arm and my shoulder in three places. I'm still wearing a cast right now for those of you listening. I broke my neck five weeks ago, okay, six weeks ago. The reason why I tell you that is I'm not, wearing a, I'm not paralyzed, I'm not wearing a neck brace, I'm not anything, I'm in a little pain, but I'm not doing any of that stuff because I took care of my genetics. The doctor said nobody goes into a hospital with a broken C7 and walks out unless they're in incredible shape. For 21 years, I've been hitting the weights every day even though I hate it. For 21 years, I've been running miles every day even though I hate it. I've been putting in the work for 21 years and it's one chance and this one accident that should have killed and paralyzed me, I'm still here walking this earth because I focused on something daily even though I didn't want to do it, okay? The third thing is your grind, right? So you've got your gratitude, grateful mindset, your genetics, and your grind, which is your business. You've got to go out and you've got to grind it out in the marketplace every day. There is no work-life balance. We're going to spend the majority of our lives from the age of 20 to the age of 60 working. Right, So we're going to work 8, 10 hours a day. There is no balance outside of that. But what happens, though, is when you get to your 40s, the 40 to 60 years are the prime earning years for somebody. So if you've done all your focus work from 20 to 30, you can get stupid rich and exit the game at 60 and not have to worry about this stuff anymore. Mm -hmm. But the only way to do that is like me, I live by a schedule. I showed up here on Quinn's podcast right on time. Not a minute too soon, not a minute too late, ready to go because I live and die by a schedule. And the last thing, the fourth part of the G-code is the group of people that you're around, right? Like if you have the right people, like my wife, she's not going to let me get out of shape. You know why? Not because she's vain and I got to be good looking and, and probably that helps, right? But, but she doesn't want me to be out of shape because she cares about my health, right? My wife, she brings me green juice. She brings me, you know, I like tacos, right? And she brings me like vegan food and stuff like that because she wants me to be healthy because wants me to spend a long life with her, right? So if you got, what I'm saying is if you've got the right group of people around you, the other things will be taken care of too. I got a personal trainer. He's not going to let me skip a day in the gym unless I got an excuse like a broken neck. You know what I mean? Uh, I've got in my office, I have the right employees and the right clients, man, where there's no drama, there's no gossip. We're all there focused on what needs to happen. And like I said, if you have the right group of people around you, the other things will take care of themselves. But if you every day focus on making sure that you're grateful for where you're at, which is meditation and just taking some time to be grateful. If you make sure that you hit the gym and keep your diet right uh, every day, if you make sure that you track your wins at work and you make sure that you invest your time into somebody, whether it's a kid, a wife, a coworker, business partner, friend, or whatever the case, that's the G code. Focus on those four areas daily. And there's no reason you can't live the same life that I live, man. I'm telling you, I'm a very, I'm one of these people that makes things very simple and this might seem like it's too easy. Try me in 60 days. Your life will be changed. I fucking love it, man. The, the way you talk, bro, it's, it's something else, man. Love it. How do you decide what, what, what gets your time? Like yeah, we, we talked about the schedule. How do you decide what gets your time? Or what doesn't? Cause that's a big one. That's a, that's a very good question. So 
here's what most people are scared to do. And I've done this since I worked in the banking industry. Mm-hmm. Like I set expectations with people up front. It probably cost me a lot of relationships. It probably cost me a lot of uh, uh, time in business and referrals and sales, right? But I like to just be real. So in my office, for example, here at my house or at my office, because we have an office in a building in downtown too. And doesn't matter which of those locations, nobody just comes in my office, right? I'm not a doctor. I'm not a heart surgeon. There's no fucking emergencies here in our business, right? And so I have an actual a hotel hanger that says, do not disturb, that's on my door. And it, when it's there and the door shut, nobody bothers me. If it's not there, they know that they can come in, okay? So first of all, if I got a busy day, I just shut the door and nobody bothers me. They can send me an email, a Facebook message, or a text message. But again, I'm only going to check that when I want to. See, my phone, it doesn't make noise. Like, it doesn't beep, it doesn't ding, it doesn't ring. And you know what? Most of the time I leave it face down to where I can't see nothing. When I have a few minutes, I pick up my phone and I see what I've missed, right? I don't like be in the middle of writing something and my phone ring and I go, oh, wait, I got to take a second and let it distract me, right, to where I'm talking on the phone. No, not today, force of average. So what I do is I, I make sure that nothing can distract me, right? I don't have messages going off. I don't have emails alerted. And I decide when I'm going to check this phone. I decide when I'm going to go to Facebook and look at my messages. I decide when I'm going to go check my email. So that's the first part, right? So you can't just distract me on my phone and you can't just distract me by walking in. Those are my choices, right? With everybody around me, including my kids and wife. Notice my kids and wife ain't charging in here right now either. Mm-hmm. Okay. The second thing is I live and, I live and die by a schedule. We're on Zoom, right? All right. So check this out. Uh, I will share my screen with you real quick let me pull it up yeah so i will let me share my uh my screen with you real quick and i will show you my calendar where is it at here so you can see my calendar over here to this like dude my whole day look at that 11 12 1 2 four o'clock, six o'clock, seven o'clock. So anytime that I don't have something on my calendar right here, that's when I can pick up my phone. Like when we get done with this podcast, I might pick up my phone for a few minutes and scroll while I'm waiting to go to my doctor's appointment, which I have time in between to drive to, obviously, right? Mm. But I live and die by this calendar, man. So like as an entrepreneur, here's the crazy thing. We don't have a boss. We don't have a manager. We don't have anybody telling us what to do. So that calendar on my phone and on my desktop, that's my boss. That's my manager. When I need to know what my job is, I look up. Now, because of that, I have to create the habit of when Quinn hits me up and he's like, hey, man, I want you on my podcast. I say, here's the link. Sign up, right? And it might be two weeks before we, he's like, he might hit me back and be like, dude, I can't talk to you for two weeks. I'm like, dude, I'm sorry. I'm busy. Right. You know? And that's just like, that's how it is. Sometimes it's that way. Sometimes it's not. If it's some sort of like emergency, then maybe I can do an after hours deal if it fits. But, but like everybody, I throw them that link. My kids, if they want me to do something with them, they go and hit the link, bro. My wife, when it's time for date night, she goes and hits the link. My speaking engagements, hotels, it's all my, my team, my team, when they need something from me, they look on my calendar to see when it's open and then they plug my time so that, that like my whole life is controlled by this calendar and the right people around me, my kids, my wife, and the executive team all have access to that calendar to be able to book my time when they need it. Mm. I love that. But, all right. So let's, let's, let's be honest. Like for a second, like 
it's so easy to get you, you see something on your calendar it says i don't know what what do we have on my calendar right now i don't know gym in in in, in an hour it's easy for me to say fuck that i'm, I'm gonna do something else how do you stay on top of that because that's it's your boss this is your boss right if you don't do what's on here you lose your job if it says go to the gym and you don't go to the gym, your boss is going to be mad. And you got to look at it and go, man, shit, I didn't do what I said I was going to do. See, one thing about me, man, is I'm a person, if I give you my word, it's on, right? Like, like I said, like, that's just how I am, man. And, and so I've given my word to myself. If I can't keep my word with myself, how the hell am I going to keep it with you? And so I, I give my word to myself on this that I'm going to get this done. Dude, I hate the gym. I hate it. I am 40 years old, man. I'm tired of walking around sore. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and matter of fact, I hate the gym so much that if you see me post on Instagram and Facebook, it's usually around 6.30 in the morning because I'm sitting in front of the gym trying to buy myself a few more minutes before I got to go in there. I'm not even kidding, right? But I do it because it's on my calendar to do, and it has been for 21 years. And I know without it, like I said, I wouldn't be here today. And look, you know, there's been plenty of times in 21 years where I've been able to say, well, you know, I can skip the gym today and, and, and I haven't. And thank God I haven't because it gets easier every time you skip it. And because I haven't, man, like I said, when I got thrown 12 feet after spinning twice in that dune buggy and broke my neck, I actually got up, walked back to, with the broken neck, walked back to the dune buggy and drove the damn thing back, right? Because I've been putting in the time. Same thing. It's not easy at first to get people to get on your calendar because they'll come in and, and, and not respect the fact that you told them to do that. And you got to kind of be a dick to them. You got to be like, hey, man, you got this new rule with the calendar. Go do it the right way. Right. And you got to like hold your ground on that shit. After a couple weeks, dude, people realize that you're hardcore about it and it just starts to flow in place. Yeah. That's, that, that's how you use technology, man. That's, yeah, that's something. How do you and all that shit's free. You know, all the calendar, Google Calendar, all that's free. <laughs> it fucking is. How do you become such a tough motherfucker? I, I wanted to ask you that. Like, oh, I see you talk. You're just, you're, you're a fucking man. How, how did you become that? Well, probably going to eight penitentiaries will do that to you. Yeah, that's something. You know? I think it's something. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, when you, you, you watch TV shows, and uh, the guy walking down the prison and people are yelling like, hey, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like the TV shows you see where they walk down and the new guys are yelling at them or whatever. Like I had to do that eight times, you know, and you get to learn. And, and like I've, I've been in a lot of fights because of being transferred around in prison. And uh, it's a whole maybe story for another whole show. But, but you really get to learn how to carry yourself to where less people want to fight you <laughs> when you get to the next spot, you know. And, you know, that, that mentality served me well after about three prisons deep in, in the system. You know what I mean? I kind of learned to adapt that really quick, and it's, it's, it stayed with me out here. Sometimes I wish I wasn't as hard, though. I'm not as a forgiving and empathetic as I should be because of a lot of the, you know, getting beat by my, my adopted dad and then getting, you know, working my ass off since I was eight years old and then going to prison and stuff. You know, it's it's you know, they gonna call me the hardcore closer for nothing. I didn't give myself that name. The, the marketplace started calling me that, you know? And, and you know, it's just, I, I guess it's a combination of all that. But, you know, honestly, I wish I was, you know, as I get older, I wish I had a little softer side. You know, I got a three sons and, and they're tough as nails too, man. You know, I got a seven-year-old who's dyslexic and uh, the teachers were worried they were even gonna be able to keep them in school. I just pulled them to the side. I'm like, look, man, you're like me, dude, you gotta work. 
you got to work your ass off or these other little kids are going to kick your ass in class and you're going to get bad grades. Dude, we don't lose in this house. Dude, the kid, that was a month ago. The, yesterday or the day before, the teachers hit us up, man, he doesn't skip the level in, in reading, right? Like he, he's on tracks. He's willing to put in the work every night. He's got a book instead of YouTube, right? And so, but had I had a, a daughter, I probably would have handled that a little bit differently. You know what I mean? Like, so I've been around, you know, all these dudes in prison and then I'm raising three sons. Most of the people who work with me and are my clients are dudes. So it's a, it's a very bravado world that I really wish that I was more, like I said, empathetic and, and had a little bit of femininity to me, you know? Mm, no, nah, I love it, man. It's, it's, it's fucking perfect. What do you think prison? Let's talk about it for a second. Like, are there, are there some lessons from that or is it just a fucking waste of time? Is it? Yeah. Uh, lessons from what? Prison. From prison? Uh, probably not. Let's say we got another 10 minutes. There's probably something better we could talk about. <laughs> All right. Uh, goal setting, bro. I love it. Hey, do you think it's it's materialistic shit? It's a it's 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 good for goal setting, or is it you, you need a level deeper? Well, you know, we you got to set goals. Here's here's what I was saying earlier about the G code. You know, we got if if focus is our superpower, mm-hmm. and distraction is the force of average's weapon against our superpower, we have to we have to know what to focus on. Uh, let me give you an example. Like three years ago, I bought my first exotic car. I bought a McLaren, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and a McLaren is not a popular car. You don't see them very much, right? Like they've become popular lately on social media, but until then you really don't, you don't see McLarens driving down the street on a regular basis, right? So I buy this car thinking that I'm, I'm going to be the only guy, right? And shit, dude, I own the thing for a week and all of a sudden I start seeing McLarens damn near every time I get in it. You know what I mean? They were there all along. The difference was I wasn't focused on them. Okay, so the, there have been McLarens driving past me all along. Again, the difference was I didn't own it and I wasn't focused on it, right? Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to goal setting, that's what you have to do. You have to own it and then focus on it. And so if you don't know what to focus on, it could be there all around you the whole time and you not reap it. So like for me, I told you, you know, I wanted to make a million dollars in 12 months. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, I had to break it down to $3,000 in one day. That's a goal. But see, I had to have a goal, so I have a clear goal and then a focus plan to take action on it. A lot of people, they just write down goals and they think this. Well, I'll write down big goals and, you know, if I don't accomplish these big goals, at least I tried. Right. Which is bullshit. It's bullshit. You need to write down precise goals that you are relentlessly going to follow and make happen. Mm-hmm. Why the fuck would you set yourself up for disappointment? You know? Like, why would you set a goal so big that you don't think you could accomplish it? Figure out what you think you could accomplish and smoke that as quick as you can. And if you pass it, awesome, make it a little bit bigger. Mm-hmm. You know, like I didn't set out in business and go, man, I'm going to do $10 million. Dude, to me, that's a lot of damn money. Still is. To me. But instead, it's like year one, I, all right, I know I can make a quarter million dollars. Boom, I did it. Year two, like, I know that I'm going to be able to retain some of these people. I know I can make a half a million. Right. Year three. All right, dude, I know I can make a million, man. And I made like 800 Like year four, two million. You know what I mean? Like I knew I could make a million, end up making two million. So, you know, it's, it's a matter of, of setting realistic goals. If I was to set five years ago, uh, the goals that I have now, there's no way that I would have even been able to meet the standards that I did five years ago because they'd just be too out of whack. Right. 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 Do you think it's like money and cars and, and everything? Do you think it's, it's to have that as a goal? Is it sustainable or is it something once you have it, I don't know, something I wanted to buy, a Mac or something. I want to buy this MacBook. I have it. It doesn't feel as good. 
is it something sustainable to have physical shit as as a, as a as a goal? Do you think it needs to be deeper, or is it cool to just I don't know? You, you guess Dep- you depends. Like for me, I'm a car guy, right. right? So when I set my sights and I told myself, hey, I'm gonna own a Rolls Royce, right? Like, man, one day I'm gonna, my first car that I ever wanted was a Bentley. I'm like, I'm gonna own a Bentley one day. And you know what, man? Like I, I uh, start, you know, my business and, and, and I always knew that I was gonna like have a nice car. One day I moved into this apartment complex and my neighbor had like Lamborghinis and Ferraris and all sorts of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, you know what? If this dude has it, then I can have it too. And I'm telling you, if, if you're buying material shit like cars and Rolexes and, and Gucci shoes and stuff mm-hmm. to impress other people is a waste of money, right? Like me, I own like shit, probably a million dollars in cars, but it, I don't give a fuck if you guys like my cars or not. They're for me and my kids. Like we love the cars, right? Like when I get it, I don't care if you hate McLaren and Lamborghini. That's, I don't, I love them. I've wanted them my entire life. I've grew up washing cars, driving cars. Like that's my passion. But I also wear like $7 t-shirt. I don't have, mm-hmm. I have some Gucci oh, shoes. Yeah, I have some Gucci shoes just to, to, so I can record a video saying I bought them and I don't fucking like them. Like, you know, so we could get a little content. I wear $50 Vans. I wear $100 jeans, you know, mm-hmm. and I've worn the same jeans for forever. It's like, it, it gets to a point where when you can afford anything, you realize that you, and you don't have to prove, like, I don't have to prove to people that I can afford anything. Anybody that is in my following and knows me, they know I got what money for whatever the hell I want. You know what I mean? I go buy jets. I can go buy whatever yachts. I, if I can't afford it, I got the money. You know what I mean? And so I don't have to prove that. So I don't have to go around. Like, for example, I, I have a, I like Rolexes and I like Rolexes, right? I don't use them to impress other people. I, I don't have Audemars Piguet or Paddock or any. I like Rolex. That's the watch I like. I have one that's like blinged out with diamonds. It looks like what a rapper would wear and shit. I never wear it, right? I wear it when I go to Vegas and sometimes when I'm on stage at like really bougie events. But most of the time you see me on the streets, I'm wearing the cheapest Rolex I got. It's my favorite, you know what I mean? Because it, it, just, it just fits me better. And, uh, and so that's, that's how I am. And I'll be wearing a regular black t-shirt and a Rolex. And my Rolex is murdered out, so you wouldn't even know it's a Rolex unless you like rolled up on it and you're like, where the hell did you get that thing? You know, so that's just like, uh, but I do that for me. If I was trying to wear a Rolex so that I would impress you or whatever, and, and it's cool, like my watch, and that's really the only two things I'm into is watches and cars, and I won't probably buy any more. I have it, all of them that I want. And so, like, and, and you figure I'm 40 years old. I didn't buy my first Rolex till I was 39, mm. right? I bought my first exotic car three years ago, 40 years old. You know, I bought, I bought it for my 38th birthday. So, I mean, you know, like, uh, and, I, and for my 40th birthday, I bought the fastest McLaren that they make, the 720, right? So I traded my old McLaren. And so, you know, like, uh, it, but again, those things move me. So, yes, and, and you know what? When I go to work and I get in my Rolls or my Lambo or my 720 or even my truck is nice, man. When I get in one of my vehicles and I roll to the office, like, I feel like a king by the time I get there. You know what I mean? Like, they make me feel good, you know? And like, dude, I've driven it a little fast and it makes noise. Like, I feel like a badass when I get to the office. I'm motivated and ready to go. I guarantee you that car's made me 10 times what I paid for it, uh, you know? But yeah. if, if you're not, if you're only buying Lamborghini or whatever because you want other people to, to you want to try to prove some bullshit point to other people, dude, it won't, 
it, it, no. it, it is a waste of money, right? Sure. Can, can you do this for me? Like, the, the rave you have is my fucking dream car. Can you describe how, you, how it feels to take delivery of a fucking car? So, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's funny, man, and none of my cars are natural. So, like, my rave is dropped with 22-inch rims and custom inserts and stuff. I'm like, dude, all, all, my shit's like, all my shit's like that, right? right? And so uh, I don't own anything that's, like, just stock and factory. I always do extra stuff to them. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you the first car that I ever took delivery of, like, my first cool car was a uh, Maserati, and I leased one, right? And, and, and it was all right or whatever, and, but I knew it was a stepping car. I knew it was just, like, I needed to get in it so I could go get in with the exotics. But when they took delivery of, when I took delivery of my first McLaren in 2017, I, I literally had tears in my eyes. It's on, it's on the Hardcore Closer fan page stream somewhere. We, we live streamed it on the Facebook page. And, uh, and like, dude, because I couldn't believe, I mean, next to having a kid, I couldn't believe that like my dreams had, had paid off. Like, I didn't even, like, I didn't even get emotional at my wedding, right? But I got emotional when my kids showed up. And, and then when this car showed up, I was like, man, like all my childhood dreams came true. Mm. And, and, you know, to me, what's crazy is now they're just, they're, they're still cars. But I mean, now I like hop in them and just drive them like you would anything else. You know, at that, I remember that day, Quinn, I had a, a friend of mine, Johnny with me. And I said, Johnny, there was a speed bump in front of me. I said, man, go stand in front of the car and make sure it's falling up over the speed bump, bro. Like I made him get out of the car and go stand in front of it. And dude, he's like, a, he, this guy runs a billion dollar business. He's nobody's. He's like, all right, fuck. And he got out and looked in the front. Because man, I mean, it was like, you know, it was like when you, when you first get a kid, like my first kid, like I didn't know what I was doing, man. So I was like extra on top of him. Now that I got three boys, I'm like, ah, the young one will make it. The other two made it. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of that way with cars now too. But that first time it's that edification and, and, and I forget, I'm, I'm losing the word here, but it's like, it proves, it, it's that implication that proves that like you've, you're doing the right thing. You know what I mean? It's not a, it's not a trophy. It's not a, not a, like a, a bragging thing. It's just like, for me, it was just like, man, the thing I've been dreaming about working for since I was a kid is now mine. And for some people that might be a boat. For some people, it might be a motorcycle or a, a four wheeler or a special bike or or a vacation, or a house, whatever it is, right? For me, it's just cars. I love it, man. <laughs> it's, it's a fucking perfect story. I love it, man. I got, I got one more question for you, bro, for, before, we, uh, before we sign up here. Um, I, want, I want to know what you would do in my position, bro, to, uh, to get a little closer to, uh, to, the, to, the, to where the big guys are. Like, I'm, I'm 16, I'm still in high school. I'm, I'm, I, I like marketing, I like the, the podcast thing, I like networking. Don't really know what I should do though in my life, like getting to the to the to the level I want to play at. So, well, yeah, what, what, what would you uh, what's your take on that? Well, you probably do know what you are supposed to do, but for some reason you probably don't think it will make you rich. Now, hear me out when I say that. So, forever, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do either, man. I'll say this for the first time on your podcast, man. You know, you guys can be like Stuman had a moment here, but I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do right now either. Okay. I grew up in the gang world, man, and, and I'm not a gangster, but I grew up in the, in the gang world from the streets to prison to everything else. And, and first you get the money, then you get the power, and then you get the respect. That's, that's the way that it works. That's the way that it works on the streets, right? Mm-hmm. And so my mindset for the last 15 years that I've been in the, uh, in the, the business space, right, 
since 2005, you know, was first I need to get the money. My calling has always been something different, but I felt like I was living my calling because I was helping people get houses and I was making money from it, good money from it. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, the government took my license away and I had to start the internet and I started helping people with social media making money. And so I felt like I was helping people by helping them make money, you know? Then I started coaching people in business, helping them make money. All along in the back of my mind, Quinn, and this is going to sound crazy to some of y'all that know me, but all along in the back of my mind, it's been, you're supposed to be a preacher, Stuman. You're supposed to be, you were born to be a preacher, you know? Got to run a church. And, and man, I've been fighting it for forever. You know, it's like, dude, no, 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 no. I'm like, I'll, I'll church people up, but we're going to, do it. My, and I'm not like a Christian and I'm not like a Muslim or anything like that. Right. So, but I, I needed this like business to prove nobody's going to listen to me come out of nowhere with all the failures I got. I had to counteract those failures. Right. Mm-hmm. So now I'm at a point, man, where you're about to see me here in a couple of weeks, launch my book, the G code, and I'm going to change the world. I'm stepping into at 40 years old, who the fuck I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed mm-hmm. to prove people, but not in the sense of being like a pastor or some guy down at the Catholic church. You're going to hear it from me. Just like you said, I fire you up. You're going to hear it from me and you're going to hear the truth and you're going to see, I'm going to have disciples and people spreading the G code gospel across the world. And I don't care if people need to think that the G code stands for God. I don't care if people need to think it stands for gangster or greatness. We're just going to get this movement across the world. And I feel like from, I had to do all this background, going to prison, being adopted, being beaten, failing at business, being through divorce to learn these lessons in the hardest way possible so that the rest of the world can look at me and say, fuck my excuses. Because if that dude can do it, despite every setback that he's had, surely if I just follow his track record, I'll be able to do it too. And, and forever, my mind, my mind was saying I had to do this business thing when my spirit keeps telling me, dude, you're supposed to be this preacher. And I'm like, dude, but how am I supposed to preach for people if I don't have money? Now I got the money. Now I got the life. Now I get to step in. And guess what? I bet you, and I don't even have a plan for this shit, but I bet you I end up becoming abundantly more rich than I am right now because now all of a sudden I have the ability to follow the thing that has been in my mind all along. I'll never forget, man. I was six or seven years old, and these we were at a Christmas party, and, and – uh, after I did like this little act, right? I've got everybody's attention, did this little act. I was a little weird kid like that. And after it's done, there was like four or five adults like, dude, your kid's either going to be a preacher or a politician or something like that, an actor. Like he's, he's got it. And so, you know, now I see where I'm going to be able to take a lifelong, a life of wisdom, a long life of wisdom and talents and turn it into this G-code message, man, and really evangelize the world with it. So that's my future, man. Now, the reason why I tell you that is because there's something in your mind right now and you might have to put some money pieces together in order to make that thing happen. Mm. But most people have, most people, the reason why they do drugs and alcohol is because they're trying to get that voice in the back of their head to shut the fuck up because they don't want to do what it's telling them to do because they're scared. Mm. We get rewarded for facing our fears on this planet. You know, right. scary motherfuckers live in the force of average, right? People that are fearless motherfuckers go on to take over the world. That's just been proven since the dawn of time. So face my fucking fears. That's, that's, that's it. So whatever you're being called to do is, is it's given that has been given to you by the divine creator uniquely for a reason. 
And you just have to decide that that's your thing and figure out how to make it work according to what you want. I love it. Thanks so much for doing this, man. The way you talk, brother, it fires me fucking up. We, you're the hardcore closer. We didn't even talk about sales. It's funny. We never do, man. You know, but that's just my nickname, man. I'm not a sales trainer. A lot of people think that, but like, I have sales but programs. You can, you can fucking sell. I mean, you can talk, so you can fucking sell. That's, I can tell, you know, but that's not, that. that's the old Ryan. You know, I'm here today to, I got bigger things than sales. Hey, man, if we get this other stuff figured out, you'll make sales either way, you know? Brother, I love it. Once, once, once the show gets a little bigger, we have some more subscribers. I want to, I want to get you on one more time, brother. It's, it's, uh, it's, it was a pleasure talking to you, man. It's, uh, it's, it's great. Yeah, man. Yeah, just hit me back up. You know how to get a hold of me, dude. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate you, brother. Have a, have a good day. We'll, uh, we'll talk soon. You too. Later. <laughs>